Welcome, educators, parents, and scholar gamers, to the Academy of Esports, Episode 6. I'm your host, James O'Hagan. This is the podcast where I delve into topics surrounding education and esports. Esports allows schools to redefine their athletic culture, diversify opportunities for student participation, promote physical and mental health, and increase collegiate scholarship pathways, and play games. We cannot forget the importance of play. The mission of the Academy of Esports is to support these ideals. The vision of the Academy of Esports is for all students to experience the fun and joy of playing competitive video games. So, let's get started. And in last week's episode, I focused uh, primarily in on how esports and physical movement and uh, physical education play hand in hand. This week, we're going to go a little differently, um, kind of still around esports and uh, kind of uh, a mental side of things, but more around the growth mindset, around developing a team culture and developing team cycles. Um, I came across a series of articles recently by a gentleman named uh, Dan Himmelstein, and he is the Premier Esports Academy CEO, and he also has a master's in sport and performance psychology, and he also considers himself a brain coach. Uh, that's the term that he uses as far as his role with the Premier Esports Academy. And he wrote an article called Team Cycles and Culture Development. And what I found fascinating in this article was how people seem to think that esports is this thing that exists separately from what we're trying to instill in our students in schools. And that is furthest from the case from everything I find. A lot of the conversations that I have in my role as the director of digital and virtual learning for the Racine Unified School District is that in our conversations that I have with the um, chief academic officer and our team, um, we talk a lot about wanting to instill and develop things like the growth mindset in our students. We talk about how we want to develop a sense of mindfulness within our students in the school district. Not just that we want them to learn all these different things, but also think about and develop the whole mind of the student entirely. And so as I was reading Dan's article that he wrote, um, and I read some of his other things, I was taken aback by how easily, I shouldn't say easy, but how clear it is for me that we can connect esports and growth mindset and culture development and a team cycle into um, our esports initiatives. And what I also find interesting is that as I read through these things, especially when we talk about the stages of building a team that I'll get into here in a minute, it's important that we think of these things from the beginning. Whether we're forming a league or whether we're forming a conference or whether we're forming a team, If you are not aware of these things as you are building momentum, you have the potential of having early success, great success early on, but it's very easy to burn out. It's very easy for people to become quickly disenfranchised, to quickly walk away. So it is important that, especially in the early stages of things, is that you consider not just how the the team is built, but also have a sense of your mission and your vision and your values 
and your goals. You'll note that when I start the podcast, I always reaffirm what the mission mission is of this podcast and what my vision is um, for the Academy of Esports podcast. It's important to have those things. If you don't have those things, I'm then just a person who is talking about esports, and I could talk about a variety of different subjects within it. Um, but I'm not here to just be somebody who speaks and talks about esports in general. I'm here to talk about it from an educator's point of view, looking at things from an educator's mindset, and thinking about how do we help students uh, realize all the great things that are available to them through esports by redefining their athletic culture, by diversifying their opportunities, by promoting physical and mental health, by increasing collegiate scholarship pathways, and playing games and all of this. So with that, I want to dive into this article. And there'll be a link to this article that Dan wrote and some of his other resources uh, in the show notes as you see them posted on SoundCloud and YouTube. And it should also show up in the RSS feeds for whether you're listening to us on Google Play or the Apple Podcast Store or what uh, Pocket Casts, I believe, is another one that we're on now. Not, not on Spotify yet, but I'm working on that. But with all of these things that Dan talks about, he is very, uh, he's very pointed on one thing, is that timing is everything in all of this. And what it also interests me in all this is that a lot of what you hear here isn't just valuable for an esports team. These are the same kind of team-building cycles that other sports teams may face. Or if you're in business and you have to build a team within your work, um, these are the same kind of cycles that you and stages of the cycle that you may go through as you build your team at work. So think about these things right now from the esports mindset, but also try to think about how you could use these things in other areas of your life. So there are four stages, and those four stages of building a team are forming, storming, norming, performing. And these are the terms that Dan uses, and I like these terms. Forming is the first stage of building a team. And that's when you've got the hype. That's when you've got the excitement. That's when the culture is brand new. So in Wisconsin here, um, we have a number of teams who are just getting started. And they're thinking about um, how do I get started as a team? What do I need to do? Where do I get computers? Uh, what students will I have part of this? There's a lot of hype around this, a lot of excitement. And that's probably happening too in the professional esports world as well. But even last week, I had a conversation uh, with a librarian who teaches at a district just to my south in Kenosha. And she was having questions about how do we get things started. And so there's a lot of hype right now um, in, 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 on her team. And in fact, in my own district, Racine Unified, um, we have a lot of hype and there's a lot of excitement around how we're developing um, and forming these teams. But what's important for us to have in all of this is it is important to have a mission, vision, values, and goals um, and to develop those things. The mission is what you do. The vision is your future state. Where do you want your team to be? Where do you want your league to be? Um, what is it that your league or your team values? And what are your goals going to be? Also, what are the roles going to be on the team and the expectations? Are you just going to be an esports team that has, say, 10 students and they're just going to be gamers and that's it? 
Or are you going to have a team that's also going to have, say, data managers or analysts or uh, people who are going to be doing your shoutcasting on Twitch or providing any other video content around your team? What are those roles also going to look like? And what are your expectations for everybody? As you're forming your team, what are the expectations going to be as you are developing practice schedules, training schedules, nutrition regiments? What are all of these other expectations going to be? Are you going to have um, a grading policy for your team? Say uh, students are going to have a 2.0 GPA in order to participate on the team. Um, all those things need to be spelled out early. Because if you don't start to build those things out and, and figure those things out early, um, you're going to then find that your culture is going to um, kind of grow out of this amalgamation of unsettled upon norms. And you don't necessarily want that to happen. So you want to think about these things early on. Also, you have to think about your player-to-player relationships in the time of forming. So what motivates each participant? Is each participant going to be somebody who is going to be a gamer? Or as you get into developing your team and you're forming your team, are these people all going to settle into these roles or are the roles going to be fluid? Are they going to change? And so after the forming phase and you're going to move out of that kind of probably as, as you put things down on paper, um, as you start to develop these, um, like I said, your mission, vision, values, and goals, you move into what's called the storming phase. Now, this is where you might find some team conflicts. This is where you might find where there's clashes of players and teams and you're starting to shift people around and move people around in the roles. And whether that's done by the students or whether that's done by a coach, these are things that are normal. It's very normal for there to be conflict on a team. This is when communication and patience will be tested sometimes by some players. And that's okay. It's all right for communication and patience to be tested. Um, And it is also important in this time, too, as you're thinking about, especially if you are a coach, um, it is important to think about what is going to be your main communication channel. Because a lot of times in these these, um, environments, um, you can use a chat service, as Dan points out. You can use a chat service like Discord or Skype, or text messages, or Facebook Messenger, or whatever you're going to choose. But perception is reality. And as students read messages in some of these forums, they may perceive certain things. They may misperceive certain things. They may read something in a completely different way than what was intended to be read. So it is very key and important in your storming phase to make sure your communication channels are carefully selected. Say, for example, you're going to use Discord, you might want to do everything uh, over voice chat rather than, say, text or or typing a a message in Discord or something like that. But um, as a coach or as an organizer, you want to make sure that during uh, what what we call the storming phase, what Dan calls the storming phase, is that you are definitely um, focusing in and harnessing your team's um, energy into more of a, a cohesive unit. Because after the storming phase, you then move into what's called the norming phase, okay? And within the norming phase, this is when you're starting to develop your cultural norms. This is when the culture is truly established on your team. 
everyone on the team knows what is expected of them and how to behave. It's like how um, when I was playing football, by the end of the football season, we could walk onto the football field and know what we need to do at 3.30 and what we need to do at 4 o'clock. We didn't need the coaches out there to warm us up, to take us through drills. Uh, We knew how to do those things on our own. Same with when I play rugby. Uh, We know at a certain time practices to start. We know how to get ourselves warmed up, even if everybody isn't there. Um, Same thing is going to happen in your eSports team as well, too, where roles are going to be defined, where expectations are already going to be there, and where your culture is already going to be established. And this is a great time. And this is a key thing right here. This is a great time that during your norming phase of your team, when your culture is being established, is that you are instilling a growth mindset within your students. Uh, the idea of the growth mindset comes from Carol Dweck at Stanford University. Um, you may have read about it in some of Daniel Pink's literature. Um, he speaks very highly and, and long about the growth mindset. But he compares that to the fixed mindset. So I want to give you an example. The growth mindset, first of all, is... How, when facing adversity, do we then uh, change and grow versus the fixed mindset where when we face adversity, we kind of lock in and say, well, that's, that's all that there is and there's nothing more I can do about it. So first, uh, first rule when looking at the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset, uh, in, a, in a fixed mindset, the um, person may look clever at all costs, okay? So... Um, in, in a fixed mindset, they may uh, only want to do things that make them show how good they are, all right? Versus in a growth mindset, we're in a constant state of learning. It is more important to learn things than to just be the best all the time. So to not be afraid to show your flaws, to not be afraid to show your uh, deficiencies. I myself, um, when I'm, uh, I see conversations about growth mindset all the time. Um, when I'm with my in my CrossFit classes, okay, in my CrossFit training, um, certain things I know I cannot do right now. My shoulder mobility isn't good. I I can't stand very well on my hands. Um, but uh, my gro- my fixed mindset, if I was a fixed mindset person, would be, well, my shoulders are just immobile, and that's what I've got. And that's not the case at all. My growth mindset says, these are the things that I need to work on. I need to work on my shoulder mobility. And when my shoulder mobility is better, um, I'll be able to do a lot other things better than what I could do in the past. Um, and, the, and here's another example of fixed mindset versus, versus growth mindset. Um, a fixed mindset sh- would say, everything should come naturally. Everything that I want to do should come naturally to me. Okay, and that's definitely not the case. Okay, so as your student and your scholar gamers are are playing these games, they may be put into situations where um, certain things do not come naturally. For example, your student game, your scholar gamers may be excellent when they're playing League of Legends, by for example. Um, not as part of a team, but kind of just uh, off by themselves. They don't know how to play in a team. Um, so the growth mindset would say we need to work hard and we need to have great effort within this hard work so that we can become a greater team together. All right. Um, here's another example of fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Fixed mindset person would say hide your mistakes and conceal your deficiencies. So after um, a disappointing match, 
Um, somebody would say, well, I don't want to do this role anymore. Um, I wish I could do something else because I'm, be- I'm better at uh, being a laner than a jungler, for example, which are roles that you would have in League of Legends. The growth mindset person would say, all right, let me find out what my, my mistakes were and let me confront those mistakes and rework them. I'm going to work on my deficiencies. That way I can, I can uh, redevelop myself. I have these good skills over here. And if I re- rework these deficiencies, I can come up with a whole new structure for myself and, and become a better overall gamer. So again, we're, we're viewing challenges as opportunities for growth. We're embracing mistakes and learning from them. And we get good at self-reflection. And, and Dan came up with this great idea. It's called, uh, he, wanted, he wants, uh, as people are going through their gaming sessions, to develop a performance log. And it's three simple questions in the performance log. So as the scholar gamer, as a student in a high school who is playing League of Legends, for example, or any other esports game, um, the performance log then becomes a symbol of that growth mindset that we want our students to be able to have. So number one, what about my performance today? Do I feel I did well? Is a question that Dan says we should be asking our student athlete, our scholar gamers, excuse me. I keep saying student athletes. I, I mean to say scholar gamers. So what about my performance today? Do I feel I did well? The second question is, what could I have done better? So you've got the let's acknowledge what was a good thing that they did and what's something they could have done better. And then the third thing is, what is the plan to improve? So in this norming phase, again, you're establishing the culture. You're just establishing the growth mindset within the student ranks. You're having them developing these performance logs, which allows them to focus on what they did well, not hiding their deficiencies, but acknowledging them, figuring out how they're going to improve them. Okay, these are all fantastic things that we ask as educators. We want our students to do in the everyday classroom. Now, I can't speak for other activities or athletics in a high school, uh, but this is something that I feel should be something that all esports teams, no matter what game you're playing, are are using every day in their in their training regimen. And here's the other thing, too, about training during this norming phase, as Dan points out. It is important to be deliberate at practice, okay? We shouldn't just be playing games for hours and hours and hours. Ten hours of of unstructured play and just saying, hey, let's play for ten hours is not practice. That is just playing for ten hours. Our time needs to be deliberate. We should be focusing on what are our our efficiencies, what are our deficiencies, and how are we improving those? So practice time should be used to improve our deficiencies. Um, And that's something that I don't think a lot of esports coaches necessarily realize, especially because I think a lot of esports coaches, myself included, might be somebody who doesn't necessarily understand everything about a game. Okay, so I don't know everything about the game, and I know that I've talked to other coaches and they kind of struggle with, well, how do I coach the kids if I don't really know the game? And that's where a lot of this, again, looking at what they did well, what they could do better, how do we improve, and then structuring a practice around that. You don't necessarily have to know everything about the game to do that. 
but at least giving students directions and guidance into how they can uh, better their gameplay rather than just sitting back and letting them just go crazy and, and play for two or three hours a day. And then here's another thing that's really important for us to realize is as we're talking about these four stages, forming, storming, norming, and performing, which will be the last step we will get to here very soon, is that teams may move between these stages. This isn't a, a one direction we're moving in a, in, a, in a straight line up, okay? Teams can move between forming and storming and forming and storming. They could go from storming to norming. And then you might have a change on the team. You might have a student leave or a few students leave. And now you're back to storming phase again or worse. I don't want to call it worse, but you could move back to the forming phase. As you go, for example, say from one season to another, from one school year to another, as you lose uh, players, as you as your rosters change over, you may need to reevaluate and redevelop your mission, vision, values, and goals, looking at roles and expectations. And that's okay. Your player-to-player relationships may change year to year. Um, your roles of your students on the teams may change year to year. Uh, how student communication is handled may change year to year or school to school. It all depends. You may find that your students are kind of drifting from the growth mindset into the fixed mindset uh, of themselves and seeing that there's no way that they can improve if they're always getting their brains beat in um, in a match. It's okay, okay? But it's important as coaches that we recognize those things in our scholar gamers. And, And our role as educators is to educate the kids and recognize that and motivate them into these good practices. Get them back into looking at growth mindset. Reestablish the culture of the team. Make sure everybody knows what is expected of them and how to behave. Um, So it is okay to move between all these parts. But even, say for example, um, say you're developing a conference or a league, okay? And as you're talking about forming and storming, looking at the roles of people, and then the conference is even norming. So we're talking about a multitude of teams from different schools all together. Um, if we don't have a culture that is established with around mission, vision, values, and goals, your all your hype, all your excitement can go away. Teams can leave. Teams can go somewhere else. What are you going to do to get them to stay? How are you going to tell school districts that are making investments in the thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars in equipment that... This is where we need to be, and this is going to bring you value for your investments. It's all very important conversations that, as we talk about esports organizing at the high school levels, these are questions we should be asking our conference organizers. What is going to make my team stay? My district is giving you or, or looking to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in equipment. Why should I stick around and join your conference? Why shouldn't I join another conference? Why shouldn't I uh, form my own conference, depending on how many teams I have in my school district? All these different things, okay? So as this norming phase has happened, it it is important to keep all that in mind with your conferences and with your teams. And the timing of all this is really important, as we're talking now about a team. All the timing of this is important. Because the last stage is the performing stage. And this is when, when you reach the performing stage is when your team 
operates as a complete unit. This is when there is unconscious, 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 I can't say it tonight, unconscious, unco well, I don't, I think I'm saying it right, unconscious communication. So there's, <laughs> I'm sorry that, uh, normally I can say these things, I don't, I thought I was saying it right, but the communication is unconscious. So the, the students, your scholar gamers, know their roles, know their expectations. They don't even have to think about them. They know what they need to do when they show up. They know what they need to do at match time. And it's all about the timing to get to this stage at the right time. And the, we, the term that Dan says we want to avoid using when you're talking about this performing phase is we don't want to say peak performance, okay? It is important to avoid the term peak performance because when you talk about peak performance, um, that indicates that there could be an um, opportunity for decline, okay? So we want to make sure that we're, we're avoiding um, that term. So the term that he suggests is used is prime performance, Dan suggests prime performance because it implies the team is playing at the top of its capabilities. You're in your prime performance phase. Um, there are a lot of teams, too. I don't want to um, make you think, again, that this is something that is eSports only, but there are plenty of teams that, that peak too early. So, for example, not this last season, but the season before, the Chicago Blackhawks, which I'm a fan, had a fantastic hockey team during the regular season. I think they had the most wins in the NHL, and then they got into the first round of the playoffs, and they were eliminated quickly against Nashville. Um, they peaked very early. They were exposed for their flaws very early on. I think probably one of the biggest examples of a team that, that peaked, and then there was a little bit of a decline, probably maybe because they were using the term peak. I don't know. Uh, but the uh, 2015-2016 Golden State Warriors, they won 73 games in the regular season. They went up 3-1. Uh, in the finals against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Cleveland did the unprecedented thing by winning three straight games to win the finals um, in 2015-2016. Probably has something to do that LeBron James is on that team, but um, there, there was times when uh, LeBron James's own prime performance superseded the team performance of the 15-16 Warriors. Okay, um, Now, Again, as we're talking about these roles, as we talk about these stages, there's four of them. Forming, storming, norming, and performing. And again, from year to year, from season to season, you may find that your team varies within these roles. But it is very important that as teams are forming and storming, that they move out of those phases quickly, as Dan indicates, and start to develop a culture, that they start to develop the growth mindset, that everyone on the team knows is expected of them so that they can reach a stage when they are in prime performance and they are ready to tackle the season and be the best team that they can possibly be. And that will do it for this week on the Academy of Esports. I've been your host, James O'Hagan. You may follow me on Twitter, at Jim O'Hagan. That's at J-I-M. O-H-A-G-A-N. And while you're at it, you can also follow at T-A-O Esports. That's at T-A-O Esports on Twitter. It's a great way to get the latest blog posts, 
podcast episodes, and news coming out of esports and education. And remember, you can continue your engagement by going to www.taoesports.com. Or you can go through Flipboard. I love the Flipboard app. And you can get your, or whatever your favorite RSS app is, and follow the latest esports news and research directly impacting education. The links are right there in the website. And you can also connect through Facebook at www.facebook.com slash T-A-O eSports. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to our time again next week.